Welcome to What You Say in English, the podcast where you can get feedback on your speaking skills. Just send your recording, and Frank will tell you what you're doing great and where you probably need to improve on. What are you waiting for? We want to hear what you say in English. Welcome to another episode of What You Say in English, the podcast in which you send me a recording or you set up an interview and I will give you my professional feedback on how to improve your speaking skills. This week has been very productive in terms of all the things that I've done. Um, if you haven't heard, I participated in two discussions in the Facebook group Malfin, Masters of English. I've told you about this uh, group before, and it's an incredible group. If you haven't joined by now, uh, I will set the, I will put the link in the description of today's episode. And trust me, you will have a wonderful time um, sharing ideas and sharing your problems with other people as, as well around the world. And Uh, this week, as I said before, um, this week I took part in an interview that Hamuda um, did with me. And he had lots of questions about what I think about motivation, what I think about, you know, things that learners can do to improve their uh, speaking skills. And it was a joy. In the beginning, um, Hamuda excused himself, uh, saying that he didn't have the right level, that he, he was a basic learner. And I've, I've told him, you don't have a basic level. You do an incredible job in English. And I know that you have uh, many things to improve, but you know, you're know you on the right track, Hamuda, and you're doing a great job. The second... Um, The second uh, session that we have, I had it with the creator of the group, uh, Gabriel. He lives in Spain and he's an English teacher as well. And he has done, you know, apart from all the th wonderful things he's done in the group, we set up a discussion to talk about teacher frustration, teacher motivation, but also learners motivation in, in English. And we had a great talk. It was one hour, a little more than one hour, and you can also watch it uh, right after you join the group. Today and, and, and next week, I'm going to, we're not going to have learners today to analyze uh, what we're going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the different uh, things that students should consider when learning a language. And next week, I'm going to cover a few things that good language learners do in order to improve their English. But first of all, let's take a listen to our sponsor. How long have you been preparing for your IELTS exam and still don't know how to improve? TakeIELTS.net takes your exam preparation a step further by mixing real-life mock exams with full reports on your performance written by real IELTS examiners. More than 53,000 test takers have benefited from a recognized and trusted mock exam with high reliability and high quality standards. Save 10% in your next order with what you say in English. Go to takeielts.net and use the code WISE, that's W-Y-S-E, during checkout.
One of the things that I spoke about with Gabriel was the idea of social distance. And I think that it is a concept that needs to be developed and, you know, to fully understand what social distance, and I'm not talking about the pandemic, I'm talking about, you know, the social distance that we have in, in English. I mean, when we, how much contact you have with the language. Um, one related concept to to understand here is uh, how far you locate yourself in the in the context of learning languages. There are many instances in which second language learners do not feel an affinity and social proximity from speakers of the second language community. Um, an immediate consequence is that the, this results in a diminished amount of input. It's how much English you are in contact with. The realization of a significance of a social group distance and, you know, psychological individual distance formed the basis of what we call, and this is, you can write it down so you can do a little bit of your own research later, uh, Schumann's acculturation model. Schumann is spelled S-A-S-C-H-U-M-A-N-N. Um, so according to this model, acculturation uh, it's made up of uh, social and affective variables, is the casual variable. It's a casual variable of second language acquisition. Um, if learners acculturate, I mean, they become acquainted with the culture, they will learn. This is the, the premise. If learners do not acculturate, they will not learn. This uh, acculturation initiates a chain reaction, including contact in the middle of, and acquisition of its uh, outcome. One of the social variables in the model that needs to be considered is the extent to which one group is dominant over another. Um, the, and this is important because in some groups, for example, the idea of uh, English or an English speaking culture becoming more dominant than the other can have a negative impact on how you learn English. Uh, what what kind of evidence um, might be, you know, considered when we talk about the acculturation model? What I've read is that Schumann based much of his original work on the language development of a 33-year-old Costa Rican man named Alberto. Uh, Alberto graduated from a Costa Rican high school where he had studied English for six years. At his workplace, um, he was the only Spanish speaker in the department. Um, you know, he socialized primarily with uh, other Costa Ricans. Alberto's development was followed by a period of, of 10 months, at the end of which he exhibited little knowledge of English, for example. He continued to place a negative marker before the verb, with no subjects, of course. And he did not invert questions, uh, which is typical. In English, you know that when you make a question, you have to invert. You have you, Instead of saying, you speak English, you say, do you speak English, and things like that. Um, and inflections were minimal. After 10 months of exposure to English in an English-speaking environment, he, you know, you would probably expect greater development. However, despite Alberto's claims that he did not want to learn English, his actions suggested that he didn't. He listened to Spanish music and he socialized and lived with Spanish speakers. Thus, of course, you know, he failed to acculturate in, an, in any significant way 
to the uh, you know target language community and to other speakers of you know tar the target language in this case was English. According to the acculturation uh, hypotheses, it is Alberto's lack of acculturation that resulted in his lack of linguistic development. This this means that the closer that you become to the target language, in this case is English, learning will happen, learning will occur. Um, there is another learner whose uh, uh, longitudinal development suggests that acculturation cannot be so closely linked to linguistic development. Um, there's a case studied by another researcher named Schmidt. Uh, his name uh, is Wes. He is a 33-year-old Japanese artist who moved to Hawaii. He had every reason to want to be integrated into the Hawaiian community. Um, you know, the first and foremost uh, was the need to make a living. He needed to make money. But another important dimension is, you know, of Wes is that the fact that one of the reasons for moving to Hawaii was a general attraction to the people of Hawaii. He had an American roommate and for all intents and purposes lived in an English speaking world, yet his grammatical development was limited. Um, although not to the same extent as, you know, Alberto's, you know, the one that I talked about before, but you know, it was not as, um, it didn't improve as much as one would expect. Well, given the this you know experience with Wes and given the experience with Alberto, is really acculturation the key? Not really. Of course, it helps. It helps, for example, to be uh, as close as possible to the target language culture, and it makes sense that the more contact you have with the language, the better, the more language you will acquire and you will learn. And yes, it's it's true, but it's not the number one. Uh, cause. It's not the number one thing to consider. It does help. And from experience, I can tell you that the more you seek the culture, the the more interested you become, the more open you will be. And, you know, the lear learning will, will occur, will eventually occur. Of course, you, you have to do other things, of course. And, and that those things I will discuss in next uh, next week's episode. Uh, you know that you know things that good language learners usually do to complement the idea of you know uh, all the things that I'm discussing today. Another thing that I discussed with uh, Hamuda was you know the idea of age differences, and people have this myth, this uh, concept or idea that when you're a kid, when you're a child, you learn English better than or faster than when you're an adult. Um, and you know it's certainly the case that. You know, it is commonly believed that children are better language learners than adults in the sense that young children typically gain, can gain a mastery of the second language, whereas adults cannot. This is reflected in what is known as the critical period hypothesis. Uh, we call it CPH or, you know, critical period hypothesis. And the, the, the definition of the CPH is, you know, there is a limited developmental period in which uh, it is possible to acquire a second language, you know, or any language. It could be your mother 
tongue, your native language, or a second language to normal native-like levels. Um, once this window the, or this opportunity is passed, the ability to learn languages declines. Um, and this is, you know, uh, you have to be careful with uh, these kind of assumptions and, and theories because um, there's no definite answer. Um, actually, a lot of researchers have don't have a final answer to this critical period hypothesis. There is still dispute regarding this belief. One, one facet of this is what it means to be a more successful learner. An initially attractive measure is speed of learning. In most studies that I've read, in which measurements have been made of the speed of learning, some aspect of, of a second language by learners of different ages, importantly, no advantages were found for young children, to be honest. And in fact, the advantage typically is in other direction. Uh, for example, college-aged uh, young adults do quite well in most tests measuring language learning speed. They usually learn faster than children. You know, many authors actually point out that these studies typically involved the demonstration of mastery on morphological, you know, when, when you study the syntax or when you study the construction of words, you know, reflecting speed of learning. Actually, the advantages are for adults um, in any test uh, carried out by by researchers. Children usually are a bit slower in terms of, you know, uh, language learning and language production when it comes down to the grammatical parts of the, the language, you know, the, the knowledge of, of grammar. However, and this is a big however, there is a lot of evidence that individuals generally do not achieve native-like accent in a second language unless they are exposed to it at an early age. And this is probably the only, you know, realistic advantage that I can think of when you think about, you know, children learning a second language, that they usually, uh, they have a better ear for, you know, listening to foreign accents and they can imitate, they learn to imitate foreign uh, accents a lot better. But this is not a rule. Um, honestly, I've I've had students who, for example, even at, at you know being an adults, they have been able to gain native-like accent in you know the different varieties of English. I've had students, for example, that they're like way over the thirties, and just because they lived in like for two three years in Australia, they come back, for example, speaking with an Australian accent, and this is quite common, for example, in, in people that have this kind of uh, plasticity in their brains. And of course, that requires, for, for adults, it requires a lot more attention, a lot uh, a lot more metalinguistic awareness, you know. Um, of course you can, as an, as an adult, you can gain native-like accent, um, but of course it requires uh, some study, like explicit study and motivation to do so. I'm not saying that you should, of course not. Um, you know, speaking English with any accent, as long as you're intelligible, is, you know, I would say it's a more realistic goal for everybody. Um, but it's true, uh, going back to my, my previous point, it is true that children 
tend to have this, uh, you know, it's tend to be easy for them to catch uh, an accent, to imitate an accent in English. Uh, whereas for adults, for example, constructing um, more accurate, sen more correct sentences in terms of international standards, um, you know, is easier for them. A third element that can be considered in, in these cases is aptitude. Um, just, you know, if you want to get a simple definition is one's uh, people's potential to, you know, to learn new knowledge or new skills. It's how easy it is for you to acquire new knowledge. With regard to language aptitude, for example, it refers to one's ability to learn another language. There is no talk of language aptitude for learning one's first language. Um, I mean, nobody talks about it. I mean, nobody says that, oh, this child is less apt than this other child to learn a first language. I think um, all children in general have pretty much the same ability to learn the language, unless you have a medical condition that, you know, prevents you from learning. You have a sort of a aphasia or any other medical condition that, you know, can impair your language learning abilities. But generally speaking, any child have the pretty much the same level. So when it comes to second language acquisition, sometimes it applies to the, the fact that so for some people, it, 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 it's apparently easier to learn languages. And other people tell you, you know, like, oh, it's so easy for you to learn languages. Um, but for other people, it, is, it may not be so easy. Now, there's a, an expert called Carroll, J, uh, John Bissell Carroll. He was the father of, of psychometrics. He, you know, created all these tests on, you know, m measuring the, the cognitive and, and mental ability to, you know, uh, do something, uh, especially with skills. And he, he gave four um, things that are related to language aptitude um, that... Uh, you know, what makes uh, people learn languages a lot easier. And this is quite interesting because he says, for example, for number one, for example, he poses phonemic coding ability. And this is an ability to discriminate among foreign sounds and to encode them in a manner such that they can be recalled later. You can remember them later. It's, it's, a, it's the ability to capture a sound from a foreign language and then you can remember it and reproduce it later. People who have a high level of, you know, ability to acquire a language, a second language, they have this ability to decode the sounds of the language. They can recognize different sounds and they can reproduce them later. Um, of course, that requires, for some people it's easier. Um, they have an incredible ear, you know, to catch. Um, and if in, in your own language, if you are good at, you know, differentiating accents in your own language. Um, if you come from, for, let's say, for example, Italy, and, you know, in Italy you have lots of different accents um, in the same language. If you can recognize and you can imitate those accents, trust me, it's going to be easier for you to uh, learn a second language, in this case, for example, English. Then we have the grammatical sensitivity. Uh, this is the ability to recognize the functions of words in sentences 
it does not measure an ability to name or describe the functions. I mean, you don't have to say, for example, that, oh, this is a noun, this is an adjective, and things like that. But you do have this ability to recognize how a word functions in a sentence. Oh, if I want to say this, I can say this word, or I cannot say that word. So uh, learners with a good aptitude to learning languages in, uh, requires this level of sensitivity to grammar, uh, how words work, and, and the position of the words in a sentence. Then we have the inductive language learning ability, and this is the ability to infer, induce, and abduct rules or generalizations about language from samples of language. Whenever you hear a proficient speaker um, of English speaking, and you can make your own deductions you draw your own conclusions, you create hypotheses, and just because you heard someone use a sentence in a certain way, you can infer there's a rule behind it. You can say, hmm, if he said this, maybe I can say this. And you try to apply the same rule just by listening from real world samples. And this is another thing that um, language learners do, and people who are usually apt, they, they have this ability to learn a second language. And finally, we have memory and learning. Um, you know, originally this was phrased in terms of associations, the language to make and recall associations between words and phrases in a native or a second language. It is not clear whether this type of association plays a major role in language learning, but you know, memory for language material is clearly important. How much you can remember, you know, when you when you get an input, how much you can remember later in order to be, you know, so you can use it in real life communication. Some linguists suggest that second language learning is much more an, an accomplishment of memory for text than the other analysis of text. I mean, that is much more is memorized then it's broken. I mean, it's when you when you can remember how to say things in, in a second language, you know, it's a basically a job for your memory. So in conclusion, uh, I can tell you that, of course, we have a lot of non-language influences in, in learning languages. I mean, of course, people can tell you, well, you have to learn the grammar, you have to learn the vocabulary or pronunciation, but those are linguistic things you can do with the language. Of course, what I did today was discuss the non-language influences, you know, uh, social distance, age differences, aptitude. Of course, there are more. I mean, you have, of course, you know, that uh, problems with anxiety, you know, you have personality factors, people who are more outgoing than others. Uh, some people are extroverted, some people are introverted, and, you know, some people have different motivations. Uh, and of course, those globally, those uh, all those aspects will influence the way you learn a language. And you know, the more you can you can identify these things within you, the uh, the more uh, the closer you become to the second language. Uh, you know, the the more you can accept and recognize um, how much you can learn in terms of grammar, for example, just because you're older, 
uh, or you're not young, that doesn't mean that you cannot acquire a language, a second language. Uh, remember that there, there's no scientific ev uh, study or evidence that can say, you know, just because you're young, I mean, you're, you learn faster. I mean, you have, obviously, you have some advantages. And of course, you know, you, you have the aptitude. I mean, how apt, and this aptitude can be learned. It's not something that you are born with. I mean, it's something that I believe it's something you can create and develop. You can create this systematically. You can develop this skills to pay attention to what is important in a second language. So, um, of course, it all goes down. It doesn't really matter um, if you have a wonderful teacher. You can have the best teacher in the world, but if you don't understand what goes inside of you, you will not be able to attain, uh, probably obtain the level of fluency or the level of, you know, independence that you would probably want to have in your second language. I think these, uh, recognizing these and acknowledging these will definitely, I, I assure you, will definitely uh, put you in, in the right mood, in the right position to learn a second language. Well, we get to the end of the episode. Remember that you can be in contact with me in multiple forms, multiple ways. You can write an email to podcast at languageteaching.es. You can also find me, you know, using my website. You can also find me in the Masters of English group. I am part of that group. And you can also be in contact with me uh, through this Anchor website. The Anchor website has a message um system in which you can leave a, a recorded a recorded message um, and you know I will be in contact with you if you really want to be showcased in, in the in the in, in one of the episodes and remember keep on learning keep on doing all the magic word that you're doing and I'm sure that all the motivation will come once you start seeing the fruit of your labor once you start communicating with other people and you know feeling effective you know feeling that you're reaching your goal um so remember i'm here with you all the way until next week bye bye <laughs>